Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat, the designer. Baradon Bears fans, the 53 is in, and maybe there are some surprises on it. I think we both think this is pretty straightforward. Pat, the designer, Courtney Cronin in the building today. We got to talk about Travis Gibson. This news kind of still all rolling in with him being released today, but he's got an interesting take on it. Tyson Badgett, QB2. I mean, I think we all thought this once PJ was gone, but what is that going to mean for this team moving forward? What is his outlook? The wide receiver room is jam-packed, but is it one that we feel good about? And of course, your questions here in the fourth quarter, all that more in today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Drop a bird down in the comments right now. I need a five-star review. You know what to do. Let's jump into the show, Courtney, because we got a lot to get into here in a short amount of time. But first quarter. Starting off first quarter of this first off podcast brought to you by the Hard Rock Casino, Northern Indiana. Travis Gibson has been cut, mm-hmm. which is a little bit of a surprise because we all thought, right, like, oh, he's requesting a trade. Maybe the Bears are going to get something more out of this. Maybe they can get something back. But Travis Gibson, six minutes ago, just tweeted out a first tweet he puts out. Bears Nation, I've been released and I'm now looking forward to my next step. I appreciate all the love and support and memories. Thank you. For the fullest, much love to the city of Chicago. You'll forever have a spot in my heart. And then six minutes ago, lastly, I never requested a trade, which goes completely against the report that we got on Saturday during the game that he was requesting a trade. Why is Travis Gibson no longer a part of this team? Well, I think the defensive line depth that we saw build throughout the preseason factors in here. Like, and we'll get to the trade thing. Did he request one? Did he not? What does it mean? I mean, it's technically null and void now because he's no longer on the team. But I, I do think that let's go to, let's just the, the tweet that came out from Jeremy Fowler on Saturday in the idea that he was requesting a trade mentioned that a three, four fit, a 3-4 defense was what Travis Gibson was looking for. Right. Now, whether he requested this trade or not, that could actually be beneficial for him in where he winds up. And that could have been maybe the Bears putting that out there. Of course, you know, if a player doesn't request a trade, that doesn't mean the Bears – the tweet was that the Bears granted him permission to seek a trade. That doesn't – never in that tweet from Jeremy Fowler did it say Travis Gibson asked for a trade and has been granted permission. It was only that the Bears granted him permission. So who knows? Maybe it was the team, if it's all true what he's saying, it was the team putting it out there that, hey, if any there are any takers, anybody's running a 3-4 defense and wants a 3-4 defensive end, somebody to mm. play a role that maybe Gibson was better suited for, maybe it could drum up some interest that way. Either way, and this is a good problem for the Bears to have, their depth chart at defensive end became too full to keep Travis Gibson on the roster. And I don't think that's a bad problem to have. He has produced though. I mean, this is something where he and Terrell Lewis throughout the preseason, were going back and forth in terms of their production. And I think that they like what they have in a, like just from the versatility you have as a pass rusher in Terrell Lewis, he's been an outside linebacker in other schemes. And he just seems to fit really well here. The strip sack, of course, was one of the most notable plays that he had during the preseason. But it's not like Travis Gibson didn't have plays of his own. He had two sacks, came away from three preseason games, having appeared in all of them. 
nine total tackles, uh, you know, two sacks in that as well. And I mean, that's a pretty decent stat line for somebody who's getting backup reps during the preseason. But the way, the way that we know this is that they really think highly of Dominique Robinson and his growth and where he's going. So of course, behind Demarcus Walker and unique Ngakwe, Robinson's right up there. They also think really highly of Rasheem Green, who has six-ish years, I think, of NFL experience. He was with Seattle, and then he was in a different role last year in Houston. And that's one thing Alan Williams talked about yesterday, getting him comfortable in what he's being asked to do here versus the defense that he was in last year with the Texans. So he's he sets the edge against the run. We know that that is something that this team has struggled to do and certainly struggled to do when Travis Gibson had a bigger role in that last year. I think that you look at the entire body of work of some of these pass rushers or these defensive ends, and it's not just the pass rush that they are looking for. It's the ability to set the edge, to you know, force contain, to be a stout run defender in ways that maybe they don't see with Travis Gibson. Because had they felt he was well-rounded enough to be in this defense and that the upgrades, the additions that they made were not upgrades over him, they would have yeah. kept him. But Nine defensive ends, I believe, or excuse me, nine defensive linemen is the total number uh, that we have, like we're looking at right now. In the initial 53, we know these things can change, but that was what I expected when I put my last 53 projection out. And I didn't have Travis Gibson on my roster because of the news that came out over the weekend. Now, we'll see where he goes. I mean, I would imagine because of what was put out, he's going to end up passing through waivers um, and he won't get claimed because this, and that's, I mean, that's, not something or rather let me back that up a minute so like the whole reason we never saw a trade is because teams knew that they were going to release him now whether he clears waivers or not is no you know that's not the bears problem anymore but his production over the preseason and his production over three seasons with the bears it's not you know it's it's nothing to like scoff at he did he was a starter for a while so if somebody claims him that wouldn't surprise me but i also would not be surprised if he ends up passing through that and hitting free agency i i'm not gonna lie and this is this is maybe one of the few times i'll ever not pushing back on what you're saying but pushing back on reasoning to me this is just ryan poles going with his guys over guys who were here before this is the and that first could time be, that, that very much could be i mean legitimately because there's nothing that Dominique Robinson showed me last season or in the preseason or at any point in training camp that was better than what Travis Gibson did. And I get three, four to four, three, right? Different scheme fit, different role and all of that. But realistically, he's a guy with his hand in the dirt who's going to go try and get to the quarterback. And he did it better than, than Dominique Robinson did. Dominique Robinson, 25 years old, draft pick for Ryan Poles last season, that's the only thing that I can come up with because I don't think that there's any point that we looked at in this preseason where Travis Gibson was, where it made sense why he kept popping up where he did on the depth chart, I should say. And he, that's like the thing that they kind of danced around. Like, yeah. well, if you, if he's producing against, you know, twos and threes in joint practices and in games, why aren't you trying to see what he looks like against better competition? Yeah. And that's something we never got a straight forward answer on. And you're right. Like I re- would be re- remiss to say that Ryan Poles and the turnover of this roster hasn't been geared towards giving his guys the best chance, the guys that he drafted, the guys that are a scheme fit in his eyes, the players yeah. that he brought in via free agency, via waivers, via everything that those players would get, more of an opportunity to perform than Travis Gibson. And 
you know, I hope for his sake that he does end up somewhere because for somebody to have a fire lit under them early August when that first depth chart comes out and he's fourth behind all the other defensive ends, it's a good, it shows you that, you know, he still wants it and he's in a contract year. Remember, like the Bears were never going to pay him. Bears are never going to no, pay him. He's a late I, round, late round draft pick from the previous regime. He was serviceable last year for them. That's how they viewed him, and very yeah. clearly by their actions, they're like, "All right, well, no love lost here. We'll move on with the player that we drafted that we can develop in this scheme." And you're right, Dominique Robinson has a long way to go, but the ceiling <laughs> that, that there sack and a is, half from week one doesn't impress me. You know, twenty weeks later, <laughs> the ceiling for him. The way the Bears view this is much higher than a, than a Travis Gibson. They know what yeah. they have in Gibson. They know they've molded him to the best that they can. He had his year to prove himself last year as a third-year player. Dominique Robinson was a rookie a couple of years removed from playing wide receiver. Yeah. So now, you know, now they get their clean slate. And all of the guys up front are guys that they brought in from, you know, your two new starting defensive ends, brand new this year. Your interior guys outside of Justin Jones, who was a Ryan Poles free agency pick, right. um, all of those guys are new. Their draft picks on the interior are new. And of course, what you have behind the starters at defensive end, Dominique Robinson, Terrell Lewis, Rasheem Green, all players from the Ryan Poles camp, not versus the um, you know, the Ryan Pace camp. And and this happens, right? Like this is this is the normal process of football. I'm not gonna lie, I don't like it because to me. You know, you're not making the decision based on what the best talent is on the team. But this is football. Like, we see this every time there's regime change. You're not going to keep all of the guys from the previous regime, right? Like, the, the only guy from the previous regime that I care if he makes the team realistically is Justin Fields. And I need him to prove that that he's going to be the guy we think he is. That's the only guy I care about. So. Yeah, I, I get that. And I mean, I think with Mooney as well, like, he's... You know, he's somebody who, you know, people are in line now for extensions. Yeah. Like the guys who remain that we've been talking about for months outside of a Cole Komet, a Jalen Johnson and Darnell Mooney. That's, I think, why you've seen that get slow played and no real action on that front, because the person who's going to be paying them is not the person who, in a way, for every move you make, you hedge, your, you hedge part of your career, you hedge part of your reputation on the players that you bring in. Ryan Poles wants to see it first. I think that yeah. his actions have shown us with everybody except Cole Komet. And I mean, they made, they, they really pushed this thing. And I think Cole, Cole, Cole kind of showed you too. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. He showed you in the preseason or he showed you last season. Well, you know, once he became a threat for Justin Fields in the red zone, they're like, all right, that's somebody we can build around. They right. had to find their building blocks and it wasn't as easy as just being like, all right, we get here, Roquan Smith, great player, we'll pay him. These other players, great players, that they're young enough that they'll fit into our culture and their scheme. They had to see it first. And I really do think he's a C and then do then have some sort of action, sort of general manager, instead of like the, I won't call it blind faith, but instead of going about it where, okay, well, you produced before, you have a track record, it may not be exactly what we want, but you're still valuable to this franchise, we're going to pay you. I think it's got to be all of those things. And that's a pretty tough like check, uh, you know, list that has a bunch of check uh, boxes that you have to check on it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and even right when Jalen Johnson talked about it, he said, I'm not there yet, but I plan to get there. Yeah. So we'll see what we'll see what all comes out of that. Uh, let's jump into the second quarter brought to you by the Hard Rock Casino, Northern Indiana. You see Gypsy Kings and Nicholas Reyes on September 29th at Hard Rock Live. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Tyson Bagent has 
I mean, listen, you cut everyone else. He's got to be QB2, right? Even though Flu still won't say he's QB2. Well, he's QB2 right now, which is great. I mean, just think about the story. Like, I saw a tweet this morning from Jim Nagy, who's the executive director of the Senior Bowl. And he said that this was the first time he had talked to Tyson Bajan on Tuesday morning since he was there in Mobile, the only second D2 quarterback ever to get an invite to be in the Senior Bowl. Like, to think about where this guy came from, his journey through Division Two, from setting you know the NCAA's all-time passing touchdown record and a yep. number of div- number of Division Two records, to fighting his way from you know outside looking in on this quarterback depth chart. When PJ Walker gets here, he's the presumptive favorite to win the backup quarterback job. To beating Walker out, beating Nathan Peterman out. And for right now, he's on the active roster. It's so rare for a D2 player even to make – we know these rosters change. Tomorrow, I expect this roster to look different because you're going to have waivers. You're going to have guys who obviously make it onto the practice squad that were cut and brought back. And maybe you even have some more changes with the active roster. But for one day at least – and I anticipate he's going to be part of of this squad for a while. But for one day at least, he's QB2. For one day, he is the backup behind Justin Fields. Now, will that be week one? I think that's going to be that's going to be determined by the waiver claims that they do or do not make. And Matt Eberflus said that that's something that they've talked about, and that you know, there's no harm in adding a veteran to the room. You know, two guys who are you know 24 and 23 years old, Fields 24, Beige at 23. It's probably good to have some veteran experience in there and somebody that you would claim off waivers that would go immediately onto your 53 man roster. Yeah, it, it's what he's done. And, and I have to give him credit, right? Listen, going in and basically making it work with what he had. It, you you think about kind of how he showed out. He basically showed out with the wide receiver room that we all looked at last year and we're like, Ugh. You know a, lot I mean? of, a lot of the wide receivers who are not on this roster are the guys <laughs> that he came up with throughout the last five months. So, you know, I give him credit for being able to go in there and beat out P.J. Walker. Nathan Peterman, I don't think that that was too much of a shock. We know what Peterman is. Yeah, but Peterman's a vet, man. Like, he's been more in surprising on 2017. The cut. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised by that, actually. The Peterman cut. They didn't have to carry him onto the 53. And that's all yeah. roster maneuvering because yeah. they know that he's going to clear. And I mean, well, he wouldn't be subject to waivers anyways. He's passed four years of, of service in the NFL. So he'll, he's a practice squad guy. And that's yeah. great because he was here last year. He's the second year in the offense. That's good for somebody like Justin Fields to have that in the room. But, but if the, waiver like you don't want to ever be number one even though Matt Eberflus today was like yeah it's great to be number one we get to pick first and use that to your advantage so whether (laughs) that's like you have to look at the end there's about a thousand players right that get like subject to this like there's a lot of talent that's still out there now how much will it upgrade your roster that can be minimal at best but to have somebody like you know and I and I and I have not seen Dallas's cuts yet, but like Will Greer, somebody who is an intriguing name. Bailey Zappi's out there, and I know that I'm not saying Bailey Zappi would come here via waiver claims, but I there's just some names out there at the quarterback position that you could think you could you could talk yourself into if you're the Bears. Some veteran names that could help Justin Fields and Tyson Bajant grow. That would then put that person in line for QB2 yeah. over Tyson Bajant, and that would be okay. Either way, he's going to be on the active roster because very clearly they if they if they, if they didn't feel threatened that he would have not made it through, they would have just cut him and brought him back. 
But yeah. and also because he clearly played better than any of the other backups that they had, he earned this spot. Is there is there a mindset on any kind of ceiling they feel on Bajan yet? Right? Do they think that he's the the uh, um, Bailey Zappi or the right like one of those backup guys that has floated around the league that all of a sudden right there's a real competition in here? Or are they still going into this with? Hey, listen, he's a good guy to have. We wanted to keep him around because he put the work in. But realistically, we hope we never see this guy. Well, they're saying the right things. I mean, realistically, you do hope that you don't see him because that means that something went massively wrong with Justin Fields, whether it's injury or something else. And, you know, if you have a D2 quarterback, I mean, who knows? He could have a great story. And I know that Tony Romo went to Eastern Illinois and it's not the same thing, but who knows? Maybe he'll be that guy someday. <laughs> You're um, the EIU guy. We got yeah, the EIU like, guys out here. <laughs> so, but they don't want to see him in games because that means more times than not, that is because something dire happened with your starting quarterback. So yeah. that would put that if, if he's playing in a lot of games, that means that they're probably going to be in position next year with a pick that could potentially get them on their own without the other pick from Carolina that could potentially get them a new quarterback in the draft. So hopefully they don't have to see another, they don't have to see a whole ton of Tyson Bajan for the sake of this team and what that means with the record, but it's not a bad thing to have a developmental quarterback like this, who you clearly feel has taken a step above that level. And, yeah. you know, they, they keep saying that when they don't want to put a ceiling on him. They want to continue to let him grow, but he's shown accuracy. He's shown poise. He's shown command. Great footwork, too. I mean, gosh, he might have the cleanest footwork next to Justin Fields in this offense. So all those I, things matter. And, I mean, Luke Getze has been coaching this guy since January, since he was down at the Senior Bowl. There's a reason no. that they saw something and said, hey, all the other quarterbacks I have in the roster at the Senior Bowl, like, we're not going to try to draft anybody in, like, the mid-rounds. We're not going to try to get anybody else. Like, this is the guy. They brought in one priority free agent who was a quarterback, and it was Tyson Bajan. I... He's somebody to me who I view as like the Josh McCown guy, right? Like you don't want him to be your starting quarter unless you're the Jets. You don't want him to be your starting quarterback for 17 weeks. But what I what I'm hoping he turns into at a minimum is what I saw in preseason. Yeah. He didn't throw the ball great, but he found a way to get in the end zone. He found ways to move the ball down the field. He found ways to get his guys involved. I thought the footwork in the pocket was excellent, right? His guys are moving past him, right? Like, it didn't look like a rookie. He's stepping up in the pocket, doing a good job, but keeping his eyes downfield. All those things that we asked Justin Fields to do last season. I'm not saying that there's a controversy coming in here, but I like that at a minimum, you have a guy who, in Tyson Bajant, looks like he gets the basic fundamentals of the quarterback position because he played longer in college. And now mm -hmm. he's going to be able to bring that to the NFL, even just from listen, whether he's able to help Justin Fields or not, the things that we saw Tyson Bajan do is what we want to see Justin Fields. do. Mm -hmm. And they don't need somebody who like what they were trying to get with PJ Walker, like kind of, it's just different than like with, with Tyson Bajan. Cause remember when they brought PJ Walker in, in March, or like, you look, somebody who has like a similar skill set can kind of mirror what Justin Fields does. And that's not necessarily in terms of like the run game either. Cause they want to have him cut down, whether they'll say it or not directly. They don't want him to run as much, but like yeah. Tyson Bajan's kind of opposite of that. I think he had 12 rushing touchdowns total and 50 something career games at, at Shepard. And you saw him, talk about it last week where he had the rushing touchdown, you know, these past two games. Uh, and he's like, yeah, like this is something I didn't do a lot in college. And that's, 
that's fine. They're not trying to make him into a version of Justin Fields that becomes Justin Fields' backup, potentially, if they don't claim somebody else, if they don't try to upgrade the room with another veteran. But he can grow into something different and give them a different look. And who knows how that will evolve within this offense. But I think it's a great story for right now. He is QB2. Matt Eberflus danced around it. And I feel like if they were really not going to be looking at any of their other options, which would be silly to do. Like every team does it, but it's a way to kind of protect themselves and not locking themselves into any backup quarterback yeah. before they have to. But I think like by, by the time it's all said and done, depending on like which it, it feels like they're trending towards draft towards going the route of getting somebody off waivers just to bring into the room. And I can tell you right now, we probably will not know who QB two is until that first depth chart comes out on Tuesday, <laughs> because that's the way this team wants to operate. Hey, we got government secrets to keep safe here. Courtney, it's the FBI. Come on now. You already know how we're doing it with the, with, with the new England Patriots, right? We got six championships to talk about. Don't worry about it. It's just uh, like <laughs> the, the stuff like that doesn't, I don't know because he's on your active roster. Like you're not exposing him to like other teams like potentially coming in and swooping him away. He's not in your practice squad where anybody can just like sign whoever they want, but I don't know. It's the way they want to operate. It's whoever your backup quarterbacks is not going to be make or break for the season, but that's the way they want to operate. They're not going to tell you whether Tyson Bajan's the guy just yet, but I think he's done enough right now. To be, to, guy. to be in consideration for that role. We'll see he, if he ends up. He's also the only other quarterback on the team. Like, listen, what are you going to play? That's Roshan? why, by default, he's like, is, the, like, is Roshan going to yeah. be QB2? You Emergency know what I mean? QB Roshan Johnson. No, but like, he's <laughs> for right now, August 29th, 2023, in the year of our Lord, Tyson Bajan is QB2 on the Chicago Bears roster. I hope he celebrates this because this is such a rare thing. For a guy like him, and yeah, he can ball. That experience, 50-plus games over four years, no matter where you're playing, that's a big deal. And I remember talking to Robert Tunyon about that today, just where he came from and people here knowing that, yes, self-aware. You're not playing at Alabama. You're not playing in the SEC. But 50-plus games and all the starting experience he had, the yards, the touchdowns, all that stuff, the completion percentage, it was around 70% over the course of his career. You can't bat an eye at that. Like if you, even if though he's D two, like it's a big deal. And I just, I think that he's in a good spot on a team that believes in him, a team that literally picked him out by hand said, that's our guy that we liked at the senior bowl. We're bringing him in over all the other priority free agents you could have brought in. And now they've developed him. Now they have somebody who has bought into their system that they can mold from the very beginning Unlike a Justin Fields, who they had to do a lot, as we know, a lot of undoing. Like Tyson Bajan is their guy that he'll have some role within this team. I'm convinced, no matter what it is, no matter who else they bring in. I I I hope he celebrates it because, right, even with the experience, it doesn't mean you're going to be able to get the job done. The Rams just cut Stetson Bennett, and there's nobody who's had more college experience than him. I don't even know how it was legal for him to have as much college experience as he has in his career. He's three three years older than Tyson (laughs) Bajan. Two years older than Justin Fields. This guy played an NFL career at Georgia, so uh, congratulations to Tyson Bajan, man. I'm glad he made the team. 
Let's jump into this third quarter here because the wide receiver position has been an interesting conversation around Chicago. Of course, there's two names on this team that I think stand out more than most. Number one for me right now is Darnell Mooney because while he's on this team, apparently there's being reports that he could be a surprise trade from PFF. Mm -hmm. I'd be very shocked by this. Even on PFF, they did say surprise trade. They would be very surprised, but... Is there any validity to Darnell Mooney possibly not being here by being upset by a contract uh, extension not being offered? Look, I think that, you know, the rationale that they used was, well, there's DJ Moore, there's Chase Claypool. They're going to take targets away from Darnell Mooney. That may be true, but we got to see that first before A, before the player gets disgruntled, B, before the Bears are willing to trade him and part ways with him. Chase Claypool has been injured most of August. And yes, Matty Eberflus today did say that everybody is healthy except for Tevin Jenkins. So you can infer from that. That means that Clay- Chase Claypool will be back for week one, that this hamstring injury will be one that he is no longer hindered by, but how that target share ends up playing out. We know that Justin Fields and Mooney have the time on task of three years. Now that's more than Chase Claypool. It's more than DJ Moore. And I mean, yeah. DJ Moore is your number one receiver, but I'm making a point here. Yeah. Justin Fields is a quarterback who has to feel hella comfortable with you in this offense to throw you the ball. I, for the sake of this team, they are going to hope that the time that Claypool missed during the off season or like the, you know, the, the, the spring months before right. the two of them did a little bit of work together in the, in the summertime down in Florida and you know during training camp, you're going to hope that the work that they did get in can help them get on the same page rather quickly instead of having to start over from, from ground, from like the ground up Um, because that could, that's kind of what, at least what you've heard is, is kind of what this thing could project out to be. So why would you get rid of Mooney in any of that? And I don't know whether he'll be on this roster next year. I don't know what he'll command. I mean, he's not a number one. He may not be a number two. He's a great slot receiver, like, and he can be an X when he needs to be. But I go back to where he was as a rookie and how successful he was going over a thousand yards in 2021. And that might be his, you know, that might be his best role rather his first, excuse me, his first season with Justin Fields. So we'll see if he like, I I would think that something would have to fall apart in season for that to have any sort of legs to it. But I I can understand the rationale. I just know that when that was put out, a lot of people freaked out that like, oh my gosh, this is being reported outside of the building. Brad was not reporting anything. He was, he was putting it out there as a he surprise. He was talking about it as like, hey, this would surprise people. This would get the Chicago Bears podcast to talk about this. Um, it would be a big, big, big talking point. Yeah. Barnell Mooney, of all people, got traded. Yeah, that, that, a lot of people missed the surprise part. Right. When I read that on it's the breeze the other day, it wasn't like, hey, this is being reported. It's like, wow, if if this happened, then it's like an if then clause. Like if yeah. this happened, people would freak out and it would be a surprise. No, 100 uh, percent. Valish Jones makes this roster. I think me and you both talked about we expected him mm-hmm. to make this roster. But by a lot of the validity that we've talked about, Tyson Bajent, uh, Valish Jones has basically been outplayed at every step of the way. Why is Valus Jones still on this roster? Is it simply the matter of Coach Hightower loves this guy? Well, I think there's a let's let's get this out there first. He's a third round pick from a year ago. They're, we've said this a hundred times. They're going to yeah. give him every chance to succeed because it's a black eye on the scouting staff 
for if they cut a third round pick a year after he gets drafted here and muffs three, you know, muff two punts and drops three balls. Like, okay, that would be, he'd, that'd be like, that's just too much too soon. So yeah. I, I equate this to Laquan Treadwell, who was a first round pick in Minnesota. And yes, first round versus 81st overall pick, whatever Velas was diff. There's a difference in that. But when I was in Minnesota, so he got there in 16, like he was not very good. Like he had like one, one or two catches his rookie year, his second year, Nothing took off. Bucking heads with the coach. Like when they cut him before the 2019 season during this time of year, during roster cuts, it's because they had given him every single chance to show that you can be the guy, every single chance to succeed. And he didn't prove it. And there were guarantees on his contract that they had to eat. There are guarantees in Velas Jones's contract. And look, they just ate seven, they have $7 million in dead cap on two players, Alex Leatherwood and PJ Walker. And there's kind of like a mixed school of of thought out there that, like, man, you know, what's up with Ryan Poles and his, you know, player evaluation? This is a, you know, a knock on him. Yes, yes, and yes, because I think that there's so many general managers. I mean, this is football, ego drives our sport. Oh, yeah. Ego drives business decisions. It drives people trying to save their jobs. And I think that Ryan Poles is in a good spot right now where he has the trust of ownership year two into this thing to say, hey, not every move that we've made as an organization is going to work out for the best. And you know what? Let's cut our losses while we can and improve this football team so we don't have to dwell on our mistakes simply because it's a political move, more or less, because there's finances tied to it. Right. So it can be both. It can be they're cutting their losses. It's the smart move. And yeah, they missed on this player. Like that's okay to have both sides of the coin in this, in this whole thing. Now, when it comes to Vegas saying two things can be true, you know, I believe we call that a, we call that a dialectic in this. uh, Yeah. Dialectic in the therapy (laughs) world. It's like, you know, I'm happy and sad at the same time, or I'm tired, but energetic. It's yes. Two things can be true at the same time. And that's okay. But when it comes to Vegas, let's go back to Friday when they put uh, Dante Pettis on the NFI. Yeah. So, Velas never had any competition for punt returner with Pettis because Pettis was on the NFI to start and they put him on um, injured reserve rather right. like, sorry, like he was on NFI comes off very briefly, like handful of maybe like two practices. He played in that preseason game in Indy and he gets hurt again. Now he's gone or now he's not on the roster, but that solidified it. That cut the room down right then and there. And there's some people I remember because I tweeted about, okay, like this is what happened with Dante Pettis. It's a tough, you know, tough go for him because he was never able to like actually have competition or create it for himself against Valus Jones. But, you know, a lot of people were like, no, like it was Valus like pushing equanimous for a, a roster spot. All of those things can Not be true again yeah. in like the realm of the entire four, five, six on the roster at the receiver position, or rather five, six, because, you know, DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, Tyler Scott were locks from the very beginning. But those final five and six spots were never guaranteed. And there were a lot of people pushing back that, no, Velas was guaranteed a spot on this roster. Look, had he had like the, his preseason was up and down. He was injured for a little bit of it. Like, you know, he's probably not your punt returner on this team anymore. And that's okay. He can still be an explosive kickoff returner. Right. And he's like, but think about how many snaps he didn't get with the first team offense. And it kind of felt like after that indie game that there were, you know, almost trying to prove a point out there that 
you know, of course he's been hurt, but like there were moments that I just felt like he, and sorry, the Tennessee game, not the Indy game, because he ends up getting hurt in Indianapolis in that second practice and doesn't play in the game and then doesn't play in the finale. But it felt after that Tennessee game that they were a message being sent like him, you know, with not getting the first team reps, not really working in at all with the first team offense, but it was never a guarantee that like, even with how much they have tied up in him being a third round pick, they're going to give him every opportunity. But if he was so bad in the preseason, he wouldn't have made the team. Like I'm, you can't just like say, Oh, like he was a lock from the beginning. Cause that's just simply not true. I've literally, I said this yesterday, like, what what saved him to me is the fact that he got hurt and there's this question mark one. Well, at, at at kick returner, can he do more? He's mm-hmm. looked better. Me and you have both talked about it. he's he looked good as a wide receiver in training camp. Yeah, the you gadget plays, one, it the, is what it is. The but. jet sweeps, I mean the stuff that they were using, they've been using Mooney on those quite a bit. So yeah. I I agree with you. I just don't buy it that like he was, you know, a lock from the very beginning that they were gonna find a role for him because he's as high of a draft pick as he is, they have to give him every chance. But that doesn't mean that like equanimity is St. Equanimity St. Brown for as frustrating as I know that Bears fans get with him because he can't, you know, he didn't really show a great, he didn't show a great opportunity. He didn't show a great um, set of skills that lead you to believe he can separate really well, Yeah, but they like him as a run blocker. And I know that, I mean, they re-signed him at the end of last season and that's not a huge guarantee. There's only, there's like less than like, I think 800,000 in um, guaranteed money on that deal. So they could have cut bait if they really wanted to, but there's something there. Anyway, you like, I always tell people, if you want to cut the receiver room, if you want to cut any position, watch who's going in and out with the offense, with the first team unit and equanimity St. Brown had quite a few reps with Justin Fields, with the first-team offense. Yes, Chase Claypool's injury paved the way for some of that to happen, and Darnell Mooney coming back from injury paved the way for some of that to happen. But I I never thought EQ was in as much jeopardy of not making this team as some people may have put out there. Fourth quarter. Let's go into the fourth quarter here, finish it out with this. Go to some of the fans' questions. Fans have a ton of questions on this 53-man roster and more. Uh, let's go. Number one here. TDU knowledge. Uh, who are the best players? The bears should target via waiver wire. I'd prefer Cunningham or Zappi as a third QB on the practice squad. If we need safety, Jonathan Abram is worth a shot. Yeah. And like, I will be honest with you because we've been so like, you know, need neck deep in all of the Bears stuff this afternoon. I haven't had like the, the time to comb through, you know, who's in, who's out as much as, you know, I would want to, but like I'm looking over this right now, and of course you think what they did last night, the Dan Feeney move. Yeah. Like a six-round pick for somebody who is an experienced veteran who can provide you depth on the interior. And we, again, we don't know if if it's like all these moving parts, like the you know if this happens, then they do this. Like so, we know right. from Matt Eberflus from what he said, Tevin Jenkins is the only one that they're worried about right now, like week to week. So then you can inf- you can infer that means Cody Whitehair, Lucas Patrick. And Nate Davis will be ready to go for week one. But does that mean that Lucas Patrick ends up going back to being, you know, a backup and that if Cody Whitehair is healthy, he goes back to center. And then that means Dan Feeney would potentially go to left guard or maybe it's Lucas Patrick. Like, look, there's like all these moving parts. So like, again, we don't know, but like, I thought that that was a smart move for them yesterday, whether Dan Feeney is a starting left guard or whether he's just depth and they use him as needed to give up a six round pick. We know Ryan Poles. We know he'll recoup that draft capital somewhere yeah. down the road because that's what he does. Um, like, I thought that was a smart move. Now, 
other places you would look like what are their positions of need still where are they thin um we quarterback that we know that's a conversation just for the backup role that if they do find somebody that they really like and has the veteran just experience some of the names out there yeah like i think you like. i think that's one position you'd have to look at i think that the offensive line too would also be still in play yeah. and you know, I don't know if there'll be any more trades happening. I know that like there's some buzz out there like, oh, it's Chris Jones. And, and I saw what the um, how the how the Chiefs like designated him now that he didn't show up for anything. And he's, you know, you know, of course, like that's a t- tenuous situation. I don't think that would happen here, like as yeah. far as them like trading for him. But you're not going to make a whole ton of upgrades via waivers like you never do. But I can Body. see it's, you know, it, it might be better depth than what you have at certain positions, but I don't think anything's like a given like, man, this is, um, you know, such a big upgrade over what they have. Cause they would have already probably made some of those moves like already because then these, you know, other teams, they, you know, they are first in the waiver order, but I, I just, I, I think that there would, it's not going to change the outlook of the roster is what I'm trying to say. If, if you're trying to build your team, we, we, we saw this last year, Bears fan. If you're trying to build your team off of the waiver wire, you're in trouble. So <laughs> I don't think that we're going to see a ton of waiver wire moves that the Bears make. Some, but, you know, depth moves. Uh, yeah. Chicago Sun asks, I actually love this question. How are, how are all the Bears magically healthy? Is practice not as important to Flus as he lets on? No, I think that... <laughs> Like we've talked about, like, and, and Flus was asked about it today. Like, does the way you practice does that show you anything about, like, you know, the team, the injuries, all of that? They were cautious. This is kind of what we were talking about, like time and the fact that these injuries were happening in August versus Week One, and nobody is saying that that means everyone is a hundred percent healthy, nothing ailing them. Everybody's good. There'll probably be some guys who are working through things. I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple names on the injury report next week. Um, but I, I do think that they slow played some of these injuries just to be on the cautious side. And that's okay. It, it is alarming though. I mean, when Matty Berflew says, Oh no, we're middle of the road in terms of the data and all the injuries. I didn't see 21 players missing from another practice last week. I only saw that happening here. I literally went looking last week at all the injury designate, like to see where we were to be like, okay, maybe he's right. And I, I didn't see anybody who had nearly as many as we did, but I guess maybe right. If you're Mm -hmm. keeping guys out just to say, you know, he's got a lower body, but like he stubbed his toe in the morning on the way to practice. (laughs) Like, you know, okay. Yeah. You're middle of the pack for guys that are really hurt. Um, we got, let's get one more in here. Uh, Southside shoe. What are realistically best and worst case scenarios for the season? I think that's easy. <laughs> best case scenario. We know what Justin Fields is. Yep. And the worst case scenario is that I'll go back to this. It'd be like that Tyson Bajan has to play in a lot of games. Cause that means something went terribly wrong with your planet quarterback. Hey, that's the Chicago bears podcast. Appreciate you guys for tuning in and showing love. Appreciate Courtney for coming on. As always, hit that like button, subscribe to the page, leave a five-star review. You know what to do. We appreciate you guys for showing love. Drop a bird on in the comments below. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. We'll be back tomorrow with J-Mac to break down even more on this 53-man roster. He'll probably be a little upset. One of his fullbacks got cut. Peace. <laughs>